And our church, since the beginning of, uh, of our uh, time uh, here in this church, uh, there was a, a brother Hediger over there in uh, Pennsylvania, and he did this with his good church. He died a couple years ago, had a, many articles in the Sword of the Lord, and uh, he's told us that he got his men together. You know, when you, have, when you do business meetings, why in the world do you have to do them on, uh, after a church night or after a church service? Why do those ladies all have to be waiting for their husband? You know, and they're tired, they've got to get them up in the morning, uh, why not have it on a separate night that nothing's going on and you can get all your men together and if you d don't understand each other you, or you d even disagree with each other on something, you are not hurried because you have to get home because the wife and the kids are waiting in the car. And then, then what? Often the pastor's wife is waiting all the time too. That's a pain. That's, that's rough on the wives. In fact, if we can, it'd be nice if we could get a vehicle for Pastor Hammonds, as well as getting one for myself. His wife, uh, with the school and the church, she waits, and she's handicapped, of course, you know, because of her leg. And uh, the church, uh, they need to get, I'm thankful they gave us a car to use, but our next project is we ought to get one for Pastor Hammonds uh, and, and let the church own it, you see, because there's so much on there. But anyhow, what we do is we have, we have a policy, and we've done it since we've been here, and then we get all our men together on an off night. And I, I, try, I do my dead-level best never to call a special meeting. What do you need all these special meetings for? Usually things can wait. Our brother Metcalf's uh, payment's got to be due, uh, but we did mention that a couple days ahead of time. Some gave in the offering already yesterday, and... So that's got to be in by 1 o'clock today, you know. But, uh, but we didn't have to call a special meeting because we already planned ahead because Pastor Hammonds and I have freedom to use a certain amount of money up to a certain amount without checking with our men. You follow? But the thing is, we, can get, we, we get all our men together on an off night. I try never to allow it on, uh, after a Wednesday service or after a revival meeting. You don't. You can just ruin the whole blessing of that preaching and revival meeting because you're taking care of business. And my son, uh, my brother-in-law, a good church, People's Baptist Church over in North Carolina, in Greenville, North Carolina, they used to have their meeting, their annual meeting, business meeting, everything after their Wednesday night service. And they would not even, uh, they would not even, uh, uh, go to that meeting. They would, they would purposely not go to that Wednesday night service because my brother-in-law didn't like all the contention that went on. And another thing is we do not let women vote in this church. Women do not vote in this church. And, what, and you look back at the apostles, the apostles, and they didn't ask Peter's, uh, Peter's mother-in-law uh, mother anything or Peter's wife, anything. Amen? Now, the women can suggest things. We tell them if they want to suggest it, if we build our new building over here. If they have a suggestion, Mrs. Metcalf suggested uh, putting washing machine and dryer in our church up here, and we're glad we did that. You follow? We're all out for suggestions, but I'll tell you what, women don't need to run any church. You'll have a mess of women running. And the men can't even run it right. God's got to run it. But I'm telling you, he, we get all, by the way, we don't have a deacon board at this time. 
Uh, I have a strange belief, but I believe it is very biblical, so it shouldn't be strange. Anyhow, I believe that deacons are assistant pastors. And you can, I, you say that's not Baptist doctrine. Well, that's Bible doctrine, in my opinion, because they have to be impeccable in their life. And we've got too many churches in America where deacons, deacons are running the pastors and the churches. And they're part-time men. Why should they be telling full-time men, like Pastor Hammond's in the school, what, you know, what to do? And by the way, say, here's another thing. Every man who is in good standing with the church can be in on this meeting. In other words, if he joins the church this week, uh, Brother Shea and Brother Julian. Uh, now, I don't think they've been. We haven't had a men's meeting. We usually have one once a month. On a Thursday, we've changed the date to try to help so that we don't get the men away from their families there any more than necessary. But Brother Julian, we told him and we told Brother Shea, they just joined our church recently, that the day they get here, the very next men's meeting, they have as much say as the pastor does in major decisions. Now, not in the pulpit. I take care of the pulpit, and none, I've, never, I've never had anybody in the church here in 14 years try to tell me what to do or who to have in to, for a meeting. Now, they've told me they didn't like certain people, follow? Or they really, really like this preacher or evangelist or missionary or, you know, anybody, whoever. But they don't tell me who to have and who not to have. The pulpit's mine, and it's my responsibility, and also... The instruments, the music, and all, you get what I'm talking about. But when it comes to the business of the church, that means that as soon as that man joins the church, he has as much say as I do because we have to be unanimous in any decision we make. Now, that may change in the future, but it's worked for us. And you say, well, if you have to be unanimous, I've talked to some people, and they say, well, that would never work in our church. Well, they've never tried it, so they don't know, do they? But this business, how many, how many of you know of churches, and you're a member of a church, and and the pastor gets up. You didn't know a thing about anything. How many in favor of this? All those opposed, uh, you know, and they don't, they, they don't even give time for anybody to oppose because the deacons already talked about it and the pastor, and you know what? You can lose church members over something like that. And if you have a thing, if you have a situation where you don't have to be unanimous, you get what I'm talking about? And here you, you go out here and we're going to build a new church building. When we built this church building, all the men present, they decided on buying this property. So they can't come back and say, Preacher, you let us into something. So you're the one. I said, no, we all agree. We all 100%. And we did buy property over on Onion Road. And then we found out we couldn't build a church on that property. Couldn't build any church. Nothing but a residence. And our, our, wedding, our real estate outfit messed up on it. They did. They let it slide through. But we all voted on it. So nobody could say, oh, Preacher Harvey, you did the one. You, you. No, we all voted. And you know what? The Lord worked it out. And we got that property. We got the property. We put it up for sale. And we got a couple thousand more than we paid for it. And we took care of all the real estate thing, everything else. We came out with a thousand or two more than we even had before. Joe, you didn't realize it, but I was taking the first hour. That's a nice thing to be in charge. Kind of do what you want to do. Anyhow, uh, but we're going to get everybody in. All right? So uh, anyhow, this is a, a thing you need to think about. Can you imagine being a, 
uh, being in a church, even as small as, as Freedom Baptist, and you didn't think that Pastor McVaney should be your pastor, and you have to stay there, I mean, they all voted in favor of you. You know, one man wanted to pray. One man wanted to pray that night. I, I think that's all right for a man to pray, allow, be allowed to pray about a man who's going to be his pastor, don't you think? Uh, but some churches don't go, go for that. Oh, he, he doesn't have the mind of God. But can you imagine uh, a church like most churches? I think a lot of churches have problems like this for a reason. Because we're all voting for, what, this church property or, or you know, this building, and they all, they, all you have to have is uh, over, over 50% or even over 70%. Or what if you even have to have 90%? What if you're in the 10% that don't think it's right? Then you've got to pay for it. You've got to pay for what you don't think is right. Wouldn't it be better to wait and put something aside and, and wait till we get our minds all together? And sometimes we don't know the mind of God. Sometimes the pastors sure don't know the mind of God. Because they don't know one thing. They don't know much about finances at all. Oh, another thing. Don't, I don't know the combination of the safe here. I have enough money comes through my hands. I don't want to know the. I don't sign any checks. As soon as you can, you get someone else responsible for the money. As soon as you can, especially in American churches. I think our Chilean people are wondering. Uh, yeah, you don't know those Chilean people, all right? Well, yeah. So anyhow, uh, but uh, especially in America now, don't sign checks. Get your name off of there as soon as possible. Because they'll blame you for something. And then what if something gets going? Uh, isn't it nice to get up in the pulpit and say, I don't sign any checks around here? I'm, I'm glad that Pastor Hammonds is going to deposit the money there this morning, and I don't have to bother with that. Amen? Now, now don't you, don't you feel uh, he's not here. I don't know if I'd mention this if he was here, but I, I, I believe he's a Bible deacon. That's what I believe Pastor Hammonds is. We call them assistant pastor because I believe assistant pastors are the deacons of the churches. They're the only two offices. And I think that we have belittled the deacon's position in America to a, 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 a secondary rate. But whether they do, those deacons took care of holy business, but they took care of the monetary things, and Pastor Hammonds loves that. That's his thing. He takes care of vehicles. He doesn't have to preach all the time, but he preaches. You follow He's ordained. And you're going to have to have, if your church or your ministry gets big enough, you have to have more than one man. I'm not going to run that Christian day school. I did that many years ago. And I ran the Bible Institute and the day school and pastor in the church. And I had to take a nap in the afternoon for an hour or two. And some evangelists came by that you all know. And he accused me right in front of all my brethren, the Bob Jones University graduates, of being lazy. you got to be loving, fellas. I think I still had him for a meeting after that. Amen? Well, I wish he'd have had all the pressure on him that I had and all those kids and everything of a Bible institute and a day school and a church and everything, and then I had to go out and visit with him. And all he had to do was preach at night and go visiting with the pastor. You say, well, is he a good man? He's a real good man. Real good evangelist. And, uh, but he, he, he should have passed. And you know what that same fellow told me? I said, well, have you ever considered pastoring the church? He said, oh, I wouldn't do that. 
He said, I couldn't handle all that, every, oh, the same problems over and over and over and over and over. He said, I couldn't stand that. He worked with John R. Rice for years, and there's excitement in that. Anyhow, uh, just, uh, just, uh, by the way, you better learn to forgive people too. Amen? Wouldn't that have been sad if the Lord wanted me to have that brother for other meetings and just because he said something stupid? Huh? Or maybe embarrassed you a little bit? It won't hurt us to be embarrassed a little bit, fellas. It's what God thinks anyhow. Amen? Don't, don't, uh, I mean, I'd have him for a meeting to, to this, I think we had him down here in Texas one time. But I had him for a meeting, I think, after that. Because you just can't, you can't hold grudges of people. Even preachers are pretty stupid at times. Make some statements they shouldn't have made. And they ought to go back and tell other people they're sorry too. Amen? You expect your people to do that, you better learn how to do that. And then, uh, anyhow, it might be a good policy though, because I don't know if I'd want to be in a church and I didn't feel led of the Lord or, or I was pressured into making a quick decision about major financial things. How many, how, many of you, how many of you have been in a church where they did that and you just didn't know if it was exactly the right move that they made, but you didn't know much about it? How many? And you're all forced to raise your hand and be in favor of something you didn't even know, hardly know anything about it. Anybody like that? Okay, I see some hands, some honest people. Okay. Amen. What it means is Ron Comfort's not always right. Amen. Right? Preacher Harvey's not always right. And we need to lean on our men. There is safety in a multitude of counselors. You with me? Huh? There is. And you, you say, oh, I just know this is the will of God. Well, you better find out if, if all your men think it is. Or at least the great, great, great majority of your men think it is. Because you might be making a stupid move. And so we do that. We may change it. It may not work in the future. You say, well, what would you do if you had, had a Judas in the crowd? Well, he was, he was hidden. He was hidden almost to the time that he hung himself. And the truth of the matter is, if the, 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 uh, the estimate might be that one in every twelve might be a devil like Judas too. Right? And by the way, you say, well, we don't want a treasure like that. Well, Jesus chose him. And he, the Lord took care of him. He went to his place. So, uh, just uh, about church business be a good thing. All right. We need to have, some, by the way, some other mornings. We, uh, we may take time for the matter of uh, what you got out of your devotions and, uh, and how you have your devotions and so forth. And this might be a good thing. Your family devotions. By the way, the great majority, I believe, of independent Baptist pastors do not have family devotions. Because when I came here, I was keyed up about family devotions, and I went to about 40 independent Baptist churches, and I said, how many of you have family devotions every day unless the devil trips you up, and we all miss at times? Raise your hand. And None of them, very few, had any family devotions. Independent fundamental Baptist pastors. And that was 14 years ago. You think I got much support out of those meetings? Didn't get much at all. Well, maybe I got a couple of pastors right with God about having family devotions. If, they, if the pastors don't have family devotions, their people are not going to have family devotions. They're not even going to be encouraged about it. 
If the pastors are not soul winners, soul conscious, mission minded, the people won't be. You know why? They'll get out of that church and go to a church where the pastor is mission minded. Right? They'll go somewhere else. So you, uh, you uh, keep that in mind. And we'll be, um, we need to promote family devotion. And another thing we ought to be getting into also is, is children. They have to be well-behaved, amen, while they're in the home. And if they don't, then you have to throw them out of the home. You can't have them in your home and be a bishop, be a pastor, or an evangelist, or a missionary, or a teacher. The children have to be obedient, amen, or mom and daddy both jump on them and beat them half to death. You say, Really? Before you leave them in that home, or else you say, there's the, there's the road. You say, it to, for a girl, it's a sad day when our girls are mischievous. You know what it said in the, in the Bible? It says, if a son, by the way, that was an older son. That wasn't a child. Are you with me? That was an older son. It wasn't a, a child. If a son be a drunkard, a child isn't a drunkard. Did you get that in the Scriptures? And so if the... The son, but the implication was in the Bible days the girl wouldn't think about doing something stupid. In fact, I asked, I asked my son-in-law Joe, and uh, it said that they wouldn't allow a whore in all of, it, of, of Israel. Isn't that what it said? So, and then, then it says, and we don't know if it's a burn on the face or burn that girl up, and if she was that kind of a girl, and she was a, a daughter of a priest, she was to be burned. And my son-in-law Joe said that's the only time that burning, it was either burn up or they burned her on the face or something. But stoning was the normal way of, of uh, doing away with a son who was rebellious. And so it is important that the preachers, the missionaries, the evangelists, and the teachers, that their children are in order. But what if they get out of order like Eli's sons? What if they get out of order like uh, David's children? Of course, David wasn't a priest. But what if they get out of order like Samuel's sons? Mm. Does it happen? It does happen. And what you do is important. You better not do like a pastor down in, in Houston. He's got he let left his rebellious son in his home. And I'm telling you, it's gonna be a mess. That ministry's a mess. We've had our missionaries go by that church, and they picked up on that terrible rebellion of those children in the home. Terrible. And so uh, those matters. We're going to cover a lot of things about family and so forth, but testimonies will be the next hour, possibly the latter hour, if we didn't want to take Brother Stephen's time.